Well, I trust that this morning we will be affirming that the four men who were put before us last week should continue serving as elders of Chatham Christian Church. In doing so, we will be affirming that they still meet the qualifications of elders as outlined in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and Titus 5 through 9. Now, as the elders and I have discussed many times over the years, affirming that someone meets the basic qualifications does not mean they have arrived and that there's no longer a need for spiritual growth in their lives. You know, anyone who is not above reproach, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, and so forth, would be disqualified from serving as an elder, but elders should always seek to become more Christ-like, more sensible, more just, more devout, more self-controlled, as well as better teachers and exhorters and refuters. You know, it is a great honor to serve as an elder. It's also a great responsibility. And Paul says that if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Now, we can't help but notice that Paul says if any man aspires to the office. Nor can we ignore the fact that one of the qualifications for an elder is that he be the husband of one wife. Now, I realize that in this day of uh, equal opportunity, some bristle at the exclusion of women from service as elders in the church. We do find women serving as deaconesses, prophetesses, judges, and to a limited extent, teachers in the Bible. But there's no indication that women served as elders in the New Testament church, and we follow that precedent. I think it's clear from Scripture that the responsibility of headship in the home and in the church has been given to men. Having said that, however, I do find it very interesting that a form of the word for elder is used in our text today to speak of a role we all would agree has been given to every believer. And that is the role of ambassador. We're in the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, ready to begin chapter or verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, obviously, Paul is primarily referring to himself and his associates in ministry when he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. But I don't think we do injustice to the text to broaden its scope to include everyone who would serve as an ambassador for Christ. And what believer isn't an ambassador, a representative of Christ in the world, if we take his name and call ourselves Christians, we have, in effect, become his ambassadors. Now, as I mentioned, the word that's been translated here as ambassador is a very interesting word. It's only used twice in the New Testament. Here and in Ephesians 6.20, where Paul refers to himself as an ambassador in chains. 
The word comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which we generally translate as presbyter or elder. But both times this word is used, it's translated ambassador, because that's the way it was used historically. In order to serve as an effective ambassador, one generally had to have the experience that comes from age, from being an elder. So I guess we could say that in a sense, women do serve as elders in Chatham Christian Church because they are certainly ambassadors for Christ. We all are. We all are. And since we are all ambassadors for Christ, I think it will do us good to reflect on the role of an ambassador this Christmas season when we celebrate the one who came to represent the Father to us. Well, the first thing we must note about an ambassador is that he or she is a foreigner to those to whom he is sent. He's a citizen of another country and is therefore different from the locals with whom he must live. And he's a representative of that distant country or of a distant ruler. He's been given the responsibility to represent someone other than himself, usually someone of great importance. He's therefore under obligation to conduct himself in a way that will bring honor to the one who sent him. He has to be very careful what impression he gives to those to whom he's been sent because more is at stake than his own personal reputation. An ambassador is also one who speaks for another. He's not free to hand out his opinions on official matters, but must content himself to transmitting those messages he has been authorized to transmit. He's also bound to accept only those conditions for establishing relationships or agreements as prescribed by the one who sent him. In other words, he is not a free agent. He's a bound representative in all that he does and says. As ambassadors for Christ, these observations have obvious ramifications for us. First, we must remember that while we live in this world, our citizenship is not in this world. It's someplace else. We are aliens and strangers on earth, the Bible tells us. We reside here, but we are different from those who do not share our heavenly citizenship. And whether we recognize it or not, we represent Christ on earth in everything we do. His reputation is built upon the reputation of his ambassadors. And we're obligated to speak only what he would have us speak. We're not free to teach our opinions as gospel nor are we free to change the conditions he has laid down for coming into relationship with him. We are ambassadors for Christ. That is our position in this world, and we must never forget it. 
However, even if we do forget it, we don't cease being ambassadors. We just become poor ambassadors. Because as long as we wear his name, we are his ambassadors. And since we are his ambassadors, I trust it's our desire to be the best ambassadors possible. We must therefore make sure we understand the work of an ambassador. What is it that an ambassador does? What is his primary method of operation? I think Paul has an answer for us. The last part of verse 20. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, there's a big difference between an ambassador and a stormtrooper. Both are official representatives of a nation or ruler, but their methods of operation differ drastically. A stormtrooper forces his way in and makes demands under threats of harm or death. An ambassador, on the other hand, is in a foreign country as a guest and therefore uses diplomacy and entreaty to accomplish his aims. Sadly, I'm afraid some Christians act more like stormtroopers than ambassadors, especially when on an evangelistic assignment they try to scare people into the kingdom of God. They condemn. They use harsh words. They set people apart. You know, it is true that we are in spiritual warfare, but our unsaved neighbors are not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. And our approach to our neighbors should be one of ambassador. For as Paul makes clear, as though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ. Our method is one of entreaty. We're not to command or condemn or threaten in the hopes of getting others to be reconciled to God. Reconciliation, you remember, means to be made friendly again. You can't scare someone into being your friend. As his ambassadors, we beg on behalf of Christ. That's the way he offers his invitation, and that's the way we are to communicate it. God is entreating mankind to once again be his friend. Christ is begging us to accept what he offers to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that absolutely amazing that the God of the universe the one who called all this into being with a word of command does not command us to be his friends. He knows he can't. You don't make a friend by commanding them to be your friend. God can't even do that. So he entreats us. He even begs us. Almighty God actually begs he begs you to be his friend. He knows the consequences of not being his friend. And he begs you to be his friend. 
And as his ambassadors, we beg on behalf of Christ, be reconciled, be brought back into fellowship, be made friends again with God. That's the message we've been commissioned to communicate. Not only at Christmas time, but every day. Every day. We've got a mission. We've got a message. We need to communicate it. Well, Paul goes on to spell out the substance of the message itself in verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The reason God needs ambassadors is that mankind is alienated from him. All men have sinned, have rebelled against his lordship. All have turned prodigal and have gone to a far country. But the message our Lord once carried to all men everywhere is that he still wants to be friends. You know, it's true that man sinned and incurred a penalty that had to be paid, but God himself paid that penalty for us. He sent his son to live among us, and he did so perfectly, without any sin whatsoever. So God allowed him to pay the penalty for our sin, to die in our place. The penalty has therefore been paid, and pardon is available. God has removed the barrier that separated him from us. He's made it possible for us to become righteous, at least to be made right in his eyes. And we can therefore come back into fellowship with him. We can be friends again. That's the message we've been commissioned to take to the world. God still loves the world and everyone in it. Even though everyone rebelled against him, he's willing to forgive us. And even though some are still fighting, the war is over. The terms of peace have been offered. Our job as ambassadors, therefore, is to beg men and women to accept his gracious offer so the fighting will cease. That is our objective. Paul puts it this way. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. We want men and women to receive the grace of God, to accept his offer of peace. And obviously, we want them to accept it in such a way that peace, real peace, is actually achieved. You know, it does little good to shake hands and sign agreements or treaties if in reality they do not result in peace. That happens quite often in the diplomatic world. And we see it in the religious world as well. You know, it's not really too difficult 
to get someone to say, okay, if God wants to forgive me, I'll let him. I'll even shake some preacher's hand or recite some sinner's prayer or even be baptized if you say that's part of the deal. But once the formalities are over, all too often, little is really accomplished. Little is actually changed. People go on living their own selfish little lives just as before. They have little, if any, regard for the fact that God truly wants to be their friend. He wants to be involved in all they do. They still disregard his word and think they can handle life all by themselves. They shove God into some religious corner of their life and go on as before. Obviously, that's not our objective. Our objective is to truly bring men and women back into a close relationship with their creator. To bring them into real fellowship with a God who loves them and wants desperately to be loved by them. A God who has unlimited resources and wants to make those resources available for daily living, and who wants to lead us in a path that he knows will bless us eternally beyond our wildest dreams. That is our objective as ambassadors. That's the gracious offer we want men and women to receive. And it's important that they receive it now. Verse 2, for he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you, and on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God said, in effect, I saw your need. And when the time was right, I moved to meet your need. I made it possible for you to be helped. I sent my son. But now you've got to respond to what I've done. And now is the time to do so. The opportunity is yours today. Don't let it pass you by. God has made the offer. But the day is coming when time to accept it will be gone. And even though we are his ambassadors and have been given the authority to extend his offer to anyone, we don't know when the offer will be rescinded. That does give a certain urgency to our entreaty. The day is coming. When God will call every man to give an account. And those who have refused his offer of friendship, actively or passively by doing nothing, will find themselves banished from his presence forever. With no further chance for reconciliation. The eternal destiny of those to whom we have been sent 
as ambassadors lies in the balance. We must therefore seek to be the finest representatives of our Lord that we can be. We must do our very best to convey the depth of his love through the life we live and the way we love and through the words that we use. And we must entreat, even beg others to accept the offer we've been privileged to extend to them. The offer of God's friendship. The offer to come back into his family. The offer to come home. You know, sometimes we see the theme on TV, come home for Christmas, you know. Don't let the offer to come home pass you by. Many of us have lived through many Christmases. And sadly for some, Christmas is an empty celebration. They look at Jesus in the manger, they pass out presents, they get excited about what they're receiving. But they miss, they miss the chance to be made friend of God. I love that idea. The friend of God. You know, we, we read in the, in the Old Testament that Abraham was a friend of God, and we think, wow, that is so cool. You know what's even cooler? <laughs> you can be made a friend of God. Jesus makes that possible. The God of creation, almighty God himself, begs you to be his friend. That's, that's crazy. Please, I beg you. If God is not your friend, let him be. Say yes. I want to be your friend. Thank you. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. If you need to publicly acknowledge a desire to be a friend of God, I beg with you, I plead with you, to come and let that be known. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promises you made through Christ. Thank you for the offer to become your friend. And it's my prayer, Lord, that if there's anyone here who, who doesn't know you as friend, they'll say, yes, I'm ready. I want to do what I need to do to, to say yes. I want to be cleansed of the sin that separates me from the God who created me. I want the righteousness of his son to cover me. So when God sees me, he sees Jesus. And we're friends.
If there's anyone who needs to come home into fellowship with you, I pray they'll do so now. In Jesus' name.